0: This is The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On The Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Hello and welcome to The Edge of Innovation. Today we're talking with Dan Frazier from Cornerstone Commissioning Incorporated. So what's the future of commissioning? You had said sort of these continuous commissioning, but what, yeah. what else is on the horizon for both you or your company as a unique entity, but also as commissioning in general?
1: So I think the commissioning industry is moving in a direction of more sophistication, both with how buildings are designed and turned over to owners, Mm -hmm. but also how they're being used for how the commissioning services are being used to continually monitor and even control buildings better. And so the commissioning process I think is pretty mature now for construction of facilities and turning those over to owners. The biggest area for growth that I think right now that's happening in the industry is the continuous commissioning. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we're just starting to get more heavily involved in on several projects. Interesting.
0: Are you doing anything or is that involved at all with the Internet of Things or is
1: Yeah, there's I think the Internet of Things is one aspect of it and Obviously, the connectivity uh-huh. of buildings right. for continuous monitoring and control—that whole Internet of Things—is just—it's embedded in, in it all. I don't know—I don't know which is a subset of which, but they're—they're right. they're definitely connected.
0: Well, in the software world, we have within the code we write. You're supposed to write these things called unit tests, and I say you're supposed to because a lot of people don't, and it's also a lot of work. But it's basically when you write code, you want to put interfaces in it that allow you to test it. Mm-hmm. So that when somebody changes something, you can see if they broke something. Yeah. And then you have an automated test suite that says, Oh, I send a number five to this this piece of software and it should come back with a number seven. And then if that doesn't happen and you're continuously testing that. Yeah. So if something happens, an alarm goes off and somebody's told, Hey, you got a problem here in this code. Yes. Um, that's grossly that's, simplified.
1: That's a, that's a good description of what we're talking about. Right.
0: So you're actually starting to see that in the building maintenance. So you don't have to have a failure in order to have noticed it. You don't have to have a failure.
1: Correct. Then there's anticipation of what looks like it could be a failure.
0: Interesting. So that's coming or It's here.
1: It's here. And it's in the developmental stages. Right. It's it's an exciting part of where the industry is going.
0: Right. Cool. So what's on the agenda or on the horizon for Cornerstone?
1: Well, Cornerstone is at a place where we're refining what we do. It's exciting just what's happening within the company. It's a very healthy place to work. We have... Just a wonderful team of people.
0: Yeah, I got to say that of every person I've met, several of them, they're just great, nice people, Mm -hmm. really nice people. And I think that's a huge benefit. I mean, I would hope that your customers would see that, but I think it's it's a differentiator. It's got to be.
1: Yeah, well, we don't have products that we sell at all. Everything is service. And so the capability of our people to know technically what they need to do, Mm -hmm. but also to communicate it in a way really succinctly and in a winsome way. Right. It takes it takes some unique skills, and so right. we've been fortunate to find really good people and build a team. And so we're just refining how we do things. We're commissioning agents, we're mm-hmm. commissioning authorities, so we're continually looking at how we do things. And so I just over time, we just keep getting better at what we cool.
0: do. Cool. So for our listeners, if they're sitting out there and saying, "Gee, I want to do that," what's the mix that makes a for for you a good employee? I mean, they've got to be, you know good communication skills and a happy person, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever, all those soft skills. But what are the skills that say if you're not detail oriented, mm-hmm. I would imagine you would say it's probably not for you. Yeah. <laughs> is that true or is mm-hmm. it? So what's what's the key differentiators that you're looking for in hiring people?
1: Well, the technical skills when it comes to systems mm-hmm. to be able to look at any system and we the realm of systems that we look at. It could be a data center with a power feed system that you actually have to look at the power is being fed and backed up. You have to look at mechanical systems like fans and boilers and pumps and valves and dampers and to be able to go out in a job site in a construction site and know what to look for. We have checklists that Savior Labs is familiar with because you yep. worked in our database. Right. And those checklists can be helpful, are helpful, but just because you've got a checklist that says, is the valve accessible? Right. What does that really mean? Well, I can see it and I can get on a ladder and get to it. Right. Well, just because because you can see it right now and get on a ladder to get to it, is it accessible for the way that it needs to be? Sure. So there's some system now that has to be inherent as some as we hire somebody. And so mm-hmm. one of the questions that we'll ask, and this is actually a pretty telling question mm-hmm. when we go to hire somebody, tell us what your hobbies are.
0: Okay. Yeah, I found that good. What, yeah. What do they say or what's, what's a good answer?
1: A good answer, well, the best answers are, oh, I have this electronic shop set up in my garage. Really? That I just love. You know, finding out all these new sensors and how they interact Uh with the software. Have you had people say that? Oh, yeah, we have. Oh, that's cool. Three people in our company that are really good with... They'll just buy all these widgets. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know what they are. I mean, I come from a trades background with mechanical electrical plumbing. Right. That's what my... And I know how to do all the sequences of operation and the control system to make those work. That's my hobby. Right. Which my work is my hobby, sadly. But anyway, but these guys... If you looked in their garage, you'd be like, what in the world are they doing? It that's looks like cool. they're inventors. Those are the best guys that really, really perform the best in our company.
0: So tinkerers.
1: They're tinkerers. They think about what systems, what components go into a system to right. really make it right. work with high performance. Interesting. And they'll, they'll go to a job site and they're like, what in the world? Why, why did somebody actually do that? Yeah, I know. I, I've, and i like 80% of the jobs you see, that's what they do. They're like, not in my job. They're not going to do right, that. Right, right. And so there's that part of it. And then there's the part of how you interface with the contractors. When you see something that's not right, we don't just say, who did that? Mm-hmm. Why, why did they do that? You say, I want to talk with you about this. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the system.
0: I don't understand.
1: This is, Yeah, I don't understand. Or this is what I'm seeing. Yeah. I just want to talk through what's on the drawings and what's up installed in the right. ceiling there because I think there may, there may be a different way to do that.
0: Right. So. so it's a conversation as yeah, opposed to is. an accusation. Yeah. You don't get yeah. bright lights and shine it into them. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Interesting. Do you need a website that actually works and is easy to update? Savior Labs is a Boston web services firm that cares for your business and your team. We solve problems so you can focus on what you do best. Just follow the link in the show notes and enter code WEB1 for more information. So let's get into this question, you know, a lot of people ask, they want to start a business. I was just at Enterprise Center at Salem State and they're having a business plan competition mm-hmm. and helping mentor some people there and a very key and telling is, Why do you want to start a business? And a lot of them don't have any good answers. And that's OK. I mean, but that may mature. And I know for myself, that's changed over time. What motivated you to start a business? So there's two questions. What motivated you to start it? And then why do you continue it? Because I know it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's work. It's hard work. Owning oh, your own business, I like to say is every Monday morning you wake up, you're unemployed. Because if you don't get up and do the work, nobody else is going to do it. Uh, and as we grow businesses, hopefully they have some sustainability. But still, that driving passion for the owners is, is there. So, why did you start it? Was there any other intangible reasons? Oh, yeah, I want to, I can understand, I want to do good. I want to, I want to work hard. I want to make money, all these things. But tell me about that.
1: So, when Lois and I started the company, we both come from. Well, who's Lois? So, Lois is my wife. Okay. And my business partner. Okay. She and I have known from probably. Not too long after we got married, that we eventually own a business. Together.
0: Really, I mean that's yeah. unique. So you had it? Was it?
1: It was built into us. We come from multiple generations of business owners. Her family as well. Yes. Okay. Multiple what kind of
0: businesses did they run?
1: They had a florist business that was always in the agricultural. Okay. Her brother's taken that, and he's more of a—he's a landscaper. Okay. So,
0: but now that's two very different things: trades, building, and florists.
1: Yes yeah, so and no. I mean, it's still
0: a lot of work with your <laughs> It's absolutely. But how did you land in the middle? I mean, wh- how did you come to saying we're going to do this commissioning thing? I mean, obviously we heard why. Yeah. You observed it, but was it, well, how do I want to say this? You knew you were going to start a business. Why didn't you open a, a yogurt stand or an ice cream store? Yeah,
1: well, I just know that with my experience, my talents, mm-hmm. my passions. Mm-hmm. And those all need to align. Right. If you're going to start a business. Um, well, just, just because experience, talent, and passion is there. Yeah. You know, if I really like cake, like yeah. I want to start a cake store, uh-huh. I really need to have a lot of cakes being sold and made Right. in order to make cash flow work. So I knew cash flow had to work. Mm -hmm. Having grown up in a family business, my dad would let us be involved with different aspects of the business every summer Mm -hmm. growing up. And that was hugely valuable, but I knew that cash flow was king. But the other part of it was that for Lois and me, business had to be a lot more than just the business. It had to be about building relationships, having an impact on not just the people we employed, not just our clients, but to have a bigger picture view as Christians, as believers in Christ. Mm -hmm. We wanted our business to have an impact for Kingdom of God. And so we said this business, when we set out, This business is going to provide for families, but it's also going to provide for ministries. It's going to provide for things that are ailments of society. Mm -hmm. It's going to deal with people out there who have needs. And so, as an example, Lois, will she'll pray, God, bring people to our door, to our phone, and to our computer. And that gets answered. And it's amazing, even through the business, how Mm -hmm. much that has happened, how we've interfaced with people all over the world. But it's really been a huge blessing. And I know that a lot of our employees see the kind of things that we've been involved in and are encouraged by how some of the profits are used in oh, our cool. company.
0: So, why did you choose to go into a business that was a cons- really a consulting company, right? Wouldn't yes. you say? Yeah. Everything you bill for, you have to work for. Yes. Is that true? Yeah. For Cornerstone, a florist has scalability because the flowers die. So we got to replace them. And I can have one person supply a lot of flowers. It's different than consulting or professional services. Yes. I'm in professional services. So the if, if I don't do the work, we don't get paid. You know, if my people don't do the work, we don't get paid. Have you ever thought about that? Is there some way that you can make something that you can sell like flowers? We're an hourly kind of company and we scale by adding employees.
1: It's not that we don't want things to be scalable. That mm-hmm. would be nice and There are different ways that we've been able to scale some of the things that we do, but nobody in our company reports to a common office. Everybody Mm -hmm. works out of their house. How long have you done that? Since we started the company. Really? Because that's really forward thinking. Yeah, we've never had. And there are people in the company that say, "Um, please don't make me come to an office. Yeah. We'll meet on construction sites, coffee shops. We're very effective. We're very connected. We communicate a lot so that... We don't have to go to an office, right? But that's you own an office building, but it's only we have tenants that that rent that Interesting. Space. Okay, it works really well, and it, yeah. and it really helps too with the balance between work and family. You hire people that you know can have the discipline to work from home, right? Right, that get things done well. Yeah. And they are—they have very healthy families because they're working from home.
0: So it sounds like you have a passion for not just creating a business that its bottom line is measured through profit. You want to measure it through some of these other attributes like the health of a family. I've always said we don't live to work, we work to live. And I think that sounds like what you're doing is we want, you want to provide a way that people can work. Yes. Work well and hard and good so that they can ultimately live, yes. not the other way around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's, I mean, I think we're seeing more of that in corporate America. That's yes, great. But I, I'm amazed that you've been doing the work at home since two, 2001. Yes. Now, when when in 2001 did you start it? In
1: July. And then, that
0: must have been a painful fall.
1: Yeah, it was. It was interesting. Were you thinking, yeah. what
0: did I do? Did I make a mistake? Because of... 9-11. Because of
1: 9-11, actually. So Cornerstone is one of the few companies that... Ended up growing as a result of September 11th. Interesting. And it's not a a pleasant thought. Sure. It's true. Why? Why? Something happened around the same time as September 11th, and that was the anthrax. Oh, okay. Yep. And those two things ended up fueling a lot of federal funding towards bioterrorism and chemical terrorism. Interesting. We've ended up doing many projects related to it. We got hired by the federal government to be on review boards for grants that were used to fund a lot of biocontainment facilities all over the U.S. Right. And there's been a, a significant biodefense effort worldwide. So Cornerstone's done work in former Soviet Union and Singapore and other places where that whole thing with the anthrax and right. September 11th. But
0: you didn't, maybe you did, tell me. Did you perceive that that would be happening in September, October, November, December? So there must have been sheer panic at that point. I mean, I know the business I was running at that time, all of our work stopped. Everything.
1: Yeah, I didn't have any panic. I was still working for a former employer. They asked me to stay on working for them as long as I could as I was starting my company. Uh huh. Because they actually, what I was doing and what I was about to start and what I was doing for them were very well aligned. Oh, interesting. And so I actually worked for them for nine more months after I established the company. And then when that happened, I was already focused on laboratory animal facilities. I see. And biomedical research was very significantly funded already. I see. By the federal government. So right. September 11th really didn't cause any income mm, Interesting. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I you know, I just, I just point that out because we're talking to people who are starting businesses or thinking about that. And you couldn't have anticipated 9-11. You couldn't have anticipated the anthrax things. And that's the life of a small business or a, any yeah. business is what do you do? I didn't
1: know that that would actually fuel the funding right, exa- of our company. Right. I had no
0: clue. Well, is there anything else you want to cover?
1: I'll just say, I mean, if, if anybody wants to start a business, just know that. It can be very rewarding, but oh my goodness, there are a lot of nights the few, first few years where you know I just had all-nighters, and yeah. it continues to be after 16 and a half years of being a business. Right, it's a heavy load, but it's it is it can be very rewarding. Yeah,
0: it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard so but hey we all do it so we've got it we're either crazy or there's the rewards are worth it it's a lot of fun though it is a lot of fun to make something out of nothing
1: and it is very rewarding and the people part of our business is probably the it is the most rewarding. Yeah, I agree. Part of it. Getting to know clients, building up a staff of people who just get better and better over time, right. and having a culture, a focus on the culture of the business, right, has been some of the most rewarding parts of having this.
0: Well, we've been talking with Dan Fraser of Cornerstone Commissioning, and we're really delighted that you took the time to come in today, and look forward to talking in the future.
1: Thank you, Paul. This has been a pleasure.
0: The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature
1: and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at saviorlabs.com.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with Copious Amounts of Coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com.